0: Welcome to this week's message on Brit David podcast. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 15 entitled, The Parable of the Soils. Because of the Great Commission, you are a seed sower. Everywhere we go, we are to be sowing seeds of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what he grows from that is phenomenal. Here's Pastor Tim.
1: Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Man, the music's got me ready. You ready? you got to get your Bibles in. Luke chapter number 8 is where we are. We were in Luke chapter 8. We at least got uh, started with those first few verses last week. And I mentioned to you then that that section was centered right in between two really great Parables. The one that we get to today, I would say, is the greater of the two, or at least the most popular of the two. I think it's one that you'll be familiar with. Sometimes it's referred to as the parable of the soil, sometimes it's referred to as the parable of the sower, uh, but you will definitely understand it as you get to it. Now, Jesus spoke in parables very often. Parable, a parable is simply a story with a spiritual point. So the reason why Jesus speaks in parables, and you'll get to see a little bit of that, a glimpse of it at least in our text today, is he said, I speak in parables so that those who are unbelieving, those who have a heart that's hard towards him and the word of God itself, are just going to hear it like a regular story. I mean, it's just going to sound like a farmer going out to sow some seed. That's about all they're going to get out of it. But those who are spiritually attuned... Those who have ears to hear, those those who have hearts that are willing to listen and learn, those who have hands and feet that are ready for action, they're going to understand that Jesus has a far deeper point that He needs to make and one that you and I as followers of Jesus certainly need to know. Let's read this parable together. It begins in verse number 4. The Bible says this, And when a great multitude had gathered... And others had come to Jesus from every city. He spoke by a parable, and here it is. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When Jesus had said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, that's where you are today, that's where you need to be today, to have ears that are ready to hear. So as you dig into this passage today, don't just simply, you know, just take notes and fill in your blanks and and, uh, follow through in your scriptures. Listen. Listen to the Spirit of God as He speaks to your heart today. In fact, even as we begin, maybe you even pray a a, a quick prayer and say, God, open my ears that I might hear. Open my eyes that I might see. Open my heart that I might believe. Open my hands and open my feet that I might act in obedience. As you come to this passage today, please don't let it be simply a story. God has something specific that He wants to speak to your heart about today. As we look through this parable, there are three essential elements that we need to take note of. And I want to break it down for you in that way today. The first is the sower. I want you to know that the sower declares the message of salvation. That's his job. The sower declares the message of salvation. As Jesus began the parable in verse number 5, that's exactly how he started. A sower went out to sow his seed. That's what a sower does, right? <laughs> a sower sows. If he ain't sowing, he ain't a sower. A sower goes out to sow seed. Now, as Jesus tells the parable, he's going to, in the other words, he's going to come to that point, point, he's going to say, I'm the sower, But listen, in our context today, as you begin to read through this story, you are the sower. You have been entrusted with the seed of the gospel of Christ. You've been given that, and you've also been entrusted with a duty. And that duty is to sow that seed, to spread it everywhere that you go. You are the sower. You are to proclaim the good news of the gospel to other people. In so doing, there's a couple of things that I think it's important for you to know as you go out to sow the seed or to proclaim the message. The first is this. I want you to proclaim the gospel or to proclaim the good news thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. In other words, deliberately. In other words, intentionally. I want you to be able to sow seeds on purpose. Your mission is to sow those seeds. We know that we have the great commission that's over us like an umbrella. It is our marching orders. It is the duty of the church and the duty of every single believer. Is everywhere that you go, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says this, I will be with you. You don't go sow seed all by yourself. God himself is alongside of you as you dip your hand into that gospel bag and begin to sow those seeds of the gospel everywhere. But let me tell you this, if you don't do it thoughtfully, if you don't do it deliberately, if you don't do it on purpose, you're likely not to do it at all. We get wrapped up in talking about the NCAA tournament. We get wrapped up in talking about the weather. We get wrapped up talking about Russia and Ukraine and gas prices. At some point, you've got to learn to take that simple conversation and turn it from the natural to the supernatural, to turn it from the ordinary to the extraordinary to be able to turn it from bad news to the good news of Jesus Christ. You'll only do that if you do that on purpose. So proclaim the good news thoughtfully. Proclaim the good news truthfully. Truthfully. You say, well, Tim, how how can I proclaim the good news and it not be truth? Listen, what I mean by truthfully is I mean the truth, the whole truth, Nothing but the truth. You see, typically when we begin to share the gospel in these days, we're so acutely aware that we don't want to offend somebody, that we don't want to mention sin. We don't want to mention repentance. We don't want to mention bad news whatsoever. We just Man, we want to skip right on to the love and the forgiveness. But a person won't be saved if they don't know they need to be saved. They have to be made aware of their sinfulness. We have to talk to them about repentance. When Paul said that he went publicly preaching this gospel, when he went house to house preaching this gospel, he said, I told you two things, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have both elements when you share the gospel and share the good news with somebody. Tell them that they can repent and that they can turn from those sins. It is the truth of the gospel that will set them free. You won't set them free by twisting their arm. You won't set them free by the elegant way in which you share the gospel. You won't set them free with the stories that you tell as illustrations to help make your point. It is the truth of God that sets a person free and nothing else. So, share the gospel. Proclaim the good news thoughtfully. Proclaim it truthfully. Proclaim the good news thoroughly. Thoroughly. Everybody, everywhere. Anybody, anywhere. The Great Commission says that as we are going, we are to make disciples. So, it doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter who you encounter. That person is a candidate to hear the gospel. Now, you may run across some people that don't want to hear the gospel. You may run across some people who already know the gospel. Let me ask you this. As you've attempted to do that in the past, can you tell when you come up on somebody? Can you tell where they are in their relationship with God? Can, Can you tell whether or not they may open their heart to Jesus that day. Now you may say, well, I can read their body language and they're just not interested. It's not their body language that communicates. It's their heart language that communicates. And the Spirit of God will speak to their heart. They may not pay one lick of attention to what you have to say. But when God speaks through you, people who you never thought would listen, do listen. So be thorough. Don't say no for somebody else, right? Don't say no for somebody else. They can say no all by themselves. You just share the message. Then you allow them and God to do business one with another. Anybody, anywhere, everybody, everywhere. Share the good news thoroughly. Number four, I want you to proclaim the good news trustingly. Trustingly. Because some will say, well, Tim, what if I go and I share the gospel and they don't listen? What if they say no? What if they slam the door in my face? What if they sick their dog on me? I got an interesting story about that that I'll share some other time. Hey, it might happen. And it's okay, right? You are trusting the Lord. You are doing simply what He has called you to do. He has not called you to break through their spirit. He has not called you to convert them. He has not called you to change them. He has called upon you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He has called on you to share the gospel. It is your job. It is your duty. It's God's job to save them. It's God's job to bring about conversion. It's God's job to bring about transformation. If you would simply pay attention to what your job is, that you would share the gospel in these ways, then watch God do what only God can do. And it might very well surprise you. Well, one of those elements that we need to look at in this story is the sower. The sower went out to sow his seed, the Bible says. What is the seed? Well, secondly, I want you to see today that the seed discloses the means of salvation. The seed discloses the means of salvation. How is a person to be saved? How can a person be saved? It is the seed of the Word of God that tells us how we can be saved. In fact, if you skip down there to verse number 10, you begin to discover that that Jesus has an answer for these disciples. Look at what the disciples... Well, let's back up. Let's back up one in verse number 9. It says, The disciples asked Jesus, saying, What does this parable mean? That's what we want to know, isn't it? I want to know what this parable means. I want to know more than agriculture. I want to know what Jesus has to say through this. And so Jesus answers and says to them, To you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's to you. To you have been given this right. Look at what he says. But to the rest, it's given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so I like this in verse number 11. He says, now the parable is this. He doesn't wait on me to try to figure out what all these elements mean. He doesn't rely on me to make the best interpretation or the correct interpretation. He simply spells it out in black and white or, well, if, you know, in red and white, <laughs> spells that out for me exactly what these elements mean. And look at what he says. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. Listen, it's not, that we, you know, it's not that we're opposed to going out and sharing good deeds with everybody. Good deeds aren't the seed, are they? It's not that we're against any humanitarian projects. Man, we want to do those thoroughly. But that's not the seed that he's talking about. The sower goes out to seed to sow the seed of the Word of God. And most specifically, he's talking about the gospel. It's in God's Word. It's in the gospel that tells me everything that I need to know about how to be saved. For example, the Word of God reveals His affection for me. God's Word reveals God's affection for me. The Bible tells me that He loves me. Man, we learned that song early on, didn't we? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. What does the Bible say about that? Well, the Bible says that God is love. The Bible says God loved you before you loved Him. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love towards you in that while you were still a sinner, that Christ died for you. Man, what a wonderful and beautiful picture and verse. We like to picture the love as as if it's a heart. The reality is is that the best symbol for love is the cross. God demonstrates his love for you in that while you were still a sinner, that Christ died for you. Listen, there's not a person in this room that God doesn't love there's not a person in this room whom he has not set his affections on you ever had uh, had those terrible opportunities maybe when you were in elementary school or in middle school and you finally got up enough nerve to write that note boys and you wrote on you wrote it to that little girl and you said do you like me check mark yes check mark no Man, it was nerves that make you want to wet your pants. You folded that thing up and finally passed it on to her. You know, well, God checks yes. He checks yes. He don't just like you; he loves you, and he's demonstrated it not in a check mark, but in a cross. He loves you, loves you. If you don't get anything else out of the message today, please understand that God. Loves you. Secondly. It's the word of God that not only reveals his affection for me. But his word also reveals my abominations. Against him. My sinfulness. My wickedness. My waywardness. My iniquities. Those things that have separated me from him. The Bible tells me that I am a sinner. The Bible says that there's not one who's righteous or good, not even one. The Bible says everybody, everybody, you, me, the person that you're talking to, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, we know that we are separated from God. The Bible says, your sins have separated you from your God. If you remain in your sin, you remain separated forever and forever and forever. While He dwells in that high and holy place that we call heaven, any person who refuses to believe in Him will spend eternity in hell. My abominations. Have done that. My sin is not just some little white lie. My sin is an offense against a holy God that cannot be removed by anything other than Him. That leads me to number three. It's God's Word that reveals His antidote for me. It reveals His antidote, His cure. What, what am I to do? I mean, I can't go back and undo, can I? I can't be like when I was in school and out there in the hallway talking when the bell rings and suddenly I'm trying to run to class like that's going to make a difference. (laughs) The bell's already rung. You're late. You can't unring the bell, can you? Can't go back and undo what you've done. If you could, you would, but you can't, so you're not. Can't make up for it either. There's not enough good things that you could possibly do to make up for the sins that you've already committed. Not one. But I need a cure. I need an antidote. I need an answer from God. And the Bible reveals that to me. When I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. The Bible says that He bore in His own body our sins upon the tree. It's the great exchange, isn't it? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Hang on to that thought for just a moment. Think about that. Jesus never sinned. Jesus didn't have a sin nature. There was nothing that was impure about Him whatsoever. So those guilty feelings that you get, When you get caught, or at least you come to your own senses, you know, Jesus never knew what that felt like until the day that he hung on the cross and the Father applied every one of your sins, multiplied by every person who will ever live on his shoulders. No wonder he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only antidote. You can't do it for yourself. He's done it for you. He's done what you cannot do. And that's paid the penalty for your sin. Number four, God's Word requires my answer to Him. I mean, it reveals all of these wonderful things about the means of salvation. God loves me, but I'm a sinner, and Jesus died for me. But now what do you do? What do you do? It's up to every person, isn't it? It's, it's almost like playing tennis now. He is, he's hit the ball into your court. What are you going to do? What do you do knowing that Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin? Do you then regret the sin that you have committed do you want to turn away from that? Repent of that? Put it in your rear view mirror? That's what He wants from us, isn't it? you want to take what, what fledgling faith that you do have? What basic little trust that you do have? And just put it all on Jesus. See, that great exchange was, He who knew no sin... Became sin for us. What? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He takes away, He takes on all of your sin, but then He gives you His righteousness. You know, in the the book of Revelation, the Bible says that no sin will ever enter into the gates of heaven. How is that possible? How, how, How is that possible? Our Catholic friends have taken that and said, well, you know what that means, don't you? That means you've got you to repent right before you die. You, you, need, a, you need a priest to come and, and, to, and to read some last rites over you. Listen, priests can't help you. Last rites can't help you. When you asked Jesus to come into your heart, when you said yes to him, Every sin that you have ever committed, past, present, or future, is all dealt with at the cross. It is the complete antidote. It's not not like some medicines that simply mask the symptoms. Jesus is the cure. He's taking care of everything. You say, well, I understand of taking care of my sins in my past. I mean, once I, once I ask Jesus to come to my heart and forgive me, He forgives all my sins that I've done up to that point. But what about those to the future? But what about those to the future? How, how, how many of your sins were future to the cross? I mean, there's some old folks in here. <laughs> but you ain't that old. They're all future, aren't they? When He died for your sins, He died for all of your sins even the ones that you didn't know, even the ones that you didn't count, even the ones that you haven't yet committed, He has fully and utterly forgiven you. That's the only way that no sin will enter into the gates of heaven. And that could be you. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? Would you say yes to Him? Please say yes to Him. I don't know where your heart is. Jesus knows.
0: Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, The Parable of the Soils. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.